All right, so first off, I just want to um, thank everybody who kind of gave me the feedback to pursue this and, and do this openly with just everything that uh, really I, I've been through in the past couple of years. Um, it's greatly appreciated from everybody. Um, this is my first time doing this uh, podcast and just opening up about... Um, you know, just my mother passing away and things that I've I've dealt with as far as like family and um most of all just really like my inner self and and really my younger brother and sister <clears throat> that that kinda went through this with me. Um and of course they weren't the only ones, but of course we kind of felt it you know, I'm not going to say the most because I do have other family that definitely grieved as well. And I won't take that from them. But um, uh, myself and Summer and Chris, which are my twin brother and sister, for those that don't know, um, they're 16 now. So um, they were definitely much younger than I was, you know, going through that. And I really wish that they were here um, to do this podcast with me because this is something that, you know, that they experienced as well. Um, So I definitely uh, would love to hear, you know, their side. Maybe we can do another podcast with them on there as well when I when I see them next time. But um, I'm going to try not to hold everybody too long, but I do want to get my point across and get just everything out um, because there are people that are going through this same thing every day. Um, There are people that are that are that have been through it. There's people that I know that lost their parents way before I lost mine that are still to this day trying to figure out how to, you know, you know, deal with these things. Um, <clears throat> and it may not even be a, a parent, just somebody close to them that that they thought was a parent or it was just kind of that figure to them that, you know, um, definitely had an impact on their life. Uh, so like I said, we're going to get into it and just, you know, I try not to jump around from topic to topic with this, but if I do, I really do apologize. Uh, like I said, this is my first time doing a podcast um, on this touchy subject. Um, But I'll get into it. So uh, pretty much everybody knows that uh, I lost my mother um, in 2015 uh, due to colon cancer. And um, for me, it was hard extremely hard, not only because she was my mother, but uh, everybody that knows me and everybody that knows my mother knows that she was my best friend. Um, So, I mean, everybody knows that I was a a mama's boy. Like, I love my dad dearly, um, and he knows that, but he'll tell you him himself that I'm a, I'm a mama's boy. So, um, initially when I first found out, uh, I was in college, uh, it was February 14th, 
2014. Uh, I remember that day just because it was Valentine's Day uh, as well. But it was February 14, 2014. Um, I was at college. I was playing college football. Um, and I got a call from my stepdad. And um, it was kind of awkward because not because he was calling me, but because I'm just thinking like, you know, he told me like, hey, you know, you need to come home. Um, you know, we got some stuff we need to talk about. And to be honest, initially, um, I I didn't know what I thought. I thought that I was in trouble, you know, being that my stepdad called me. I'm like, man, I didn't I didn't did something that I, I, sh- I shouldn't have did. Or I'm just trying to think back like, hey, like, what did I do? Like that I. Did I take something and not put it back or like what? I don't know what I was thinking, to be honest, but the thought of my mother being sick, you know, for a long term, at least never went through my mind. I knew that my mother was in a hospital, um, but she had been in a hospital before for a similar thing that that was going on. Like, uh, I know she was like anemic and she was her iron was always low. So. I remember her being in a hospital for stuff for stuff like that, like a couple times. So I'm just thinking like, ah, whatever, you know, it's my mom. She she just whatever. So went down to the the hospital. Um, well, went down and they told me to meet them at the hospital because my mom was in the hospital. So I'm thinking like, you know, that's just where everybody is. You feel me? And I'm I'm not I'm not thinking that anything was really wrong with my mom. So I get there, I walk into my mom's room. Of course, first thing I saw was my mom. And once again, not thinking that anything was wrong, but uh, my mom was just kind of quiet. And um, once again, I ain't think anything. Say, hey, mom, how you doing? Whatever. I'm doing good. You know, she ain't gonna never let anything show. She's always been a strong woman. And um, I'm just standing there. I literally was probably in that, in that uh, hospital room for like probably like all of three minutes. And my mom looked at my stepdad, Mac, and was like, hey, you know, you going to go talk to him? I'm like, I leave. You feel me? Like, what? <laughs> like, what's going on? So my stepdad takes me outside, starts talking to me. He's like, yeah, we're going to need you to start stepping up around here and, and you know, being a little bit more responsible and stuff. I'm just like, dude, what are you talking about? You feel me? Like, I, I'm like, bro, I'm in college. Like, I play football in college. I'm in college going to school. Like, like what more could I be stepping up? Like, you know, I, I'm doing pretty good. So, you know, like, what what's the problem? Um, So at that point... He just goes on and says, hey, you know, your mom has cancer. And so I'm just like, when he first said, I'm, you know, I ain't really just like, whatever. But then, like, after about a minute, I was just like, wow. Like, he didn't tell me what stage, didn't tell me what kind of cancer. It was just cancer. And so once I really thought about that word, that word to me is a very strong word. No matter what kind of cancer it is, that that word is extremely, extremely strong to me. Um, 
and I lost it. Like I cried. Um, he was crying when he told me, but well, he wasn't crying. It was just kind of like his voice was trembling, but I cried, man. Um, I went back into the waiting room and I seen my brother, my sister, my family. And I, and I honestly don't think that they told my younger brother and sister at that time. Um, I mean, uh, my family members, uh, Tyra was there. My aunt Shirley was there, I think. Um, it's a few family members, close people were there. So it was something serious, you know, and um, I went into the bathroom and the waiting room and I lost it. Like, I just completely lost it. Not because, you know, I couldn't handle him telling me that, but that's just like, that's my mom, you know. When you hear cancer and you hear one of your loved ones close to you have that, you know, for the first time, like, I'm going to just keep it 100 with y'all, you know, you feel me? The first thing I thought about was like, man, I don't want to lose my mom. The thought of me losing my mom literally tore me up to pieces. Like, it was like a movie, like a horror movie or something. And so at that point, um, I just kind of like lost track of of a lot of things. Um, I went back to school. I didn't want to play football no more. I didn't want to go to class. I didn't, I just couldn't, I couldn't function. Uh, I wasn't properly functioning. Um, and it was just a scene for me to just even hear the word cancers come out of my, my dad's mouth. Like it was just, man, that was just, it was crazy. And so you know, I'm talking to my family members and stuff. And, you know, you know, everybody's always like, yeah, you know, everything's going to be all right. And you definitely want to believe that um, for sure. You definitely want to believe that you got to have your faith in God. Um, and you you definitely got to <coughs> you definitely got to believe that everything is going to be OK. And like I said, I didn't know what stage it was. Um, I didn't know. I didn't know anything, really. I just knew cancer. So. Uh, I eventually ended up just kind of coming home and, uh, I ended up coming home and I I was at home for a little bit. I worked, um, I worked at Verizon for a little bit and, you know, at that point, you know, my mom was just kind of like, she never showed that she, she never showed that she had cancer. She never showed that anything was beating her or 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 fighting with her body. Like she never showed any of that. Um and 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 that's the thing that I definitely like admired about her. Um man, she was so strong throughout that whole process, man. It, it was it was unbelievable. Um I know when I went home initially, it was really just to just be there with her. Cause I know like my dad was like working overnight and, um, and stuff like that. So, um, with my younger brother and sister being so young at the time and, in um, in elementary and middle school, um, I wanted to be there to kind of help out as far as like, you know, I had my own car and stuff. So if, if, you know, my brother and sister needed to do something or even if my mom, I know my mom would always, 
asked me to go to the bank for her, just little, you know, small things. But, you know, at that point, she was still doing pretty much everything herself. You know, she was still going to work, uh, working at uh, uh, the Henry County uh, Board of Ed- Education. Um, you know, she definitely was still herself. And uh, when I say that, I mean, everybody knows that my mom is hilarious, funny. I mean, when she tell a story, she, I mean, it's it's hilarious. So it, she was still herself at that point. Um, and for a while, I, I didn't even really think about the cancer. And that was the amazing part about it. I didn't think about you know, anything bad happening. I didn't think about like for, I mean, for a long time, like I said, I just forgot that she was even diagnosed with colon cancer. So like I said, she was still going to work and everything. And, um, it was an amazing sight to see, to just know that she was able to get up and and go and, you know, you know, do what she loved to do or whatever, which is go to work, be around kids and stuff like that. So, um, as I started to kind of regain myself back, you know, I'm working and stuff. And I mean, every, I say every, maybe like two or three times a week, I go see my mom at uh, the board of education and, um, right there in, um, at County office in uh, Henry County, Georgia. I I would go see her, take her lunch. Uh, she would go, we we would both go to lunch together. I spent so much time with my mom in, in that time period you know, and um, I had, you know, so many close friends, like, you know, that never knew that my mom even had cancer. People that worked with her never knew that she even had cancer. And so, like, I spent so much time with her, you know, not because she had, you know, the illness. It was more because, like... I'm home, you know, and my mom is my best friend. I, I want to spend time with her. Like, that's something that I don't want to ever, like, go back and say, oh, man, I wish I would have spent more time with my mom. You know, I never, none of that. And and just like I tell anybody, anybody that knows me, I always say, like, whenever people have differences with their mother or whatever they're going through with their family, and I don't know everybody's situation, but your mother is your ticket to heaven. No matter what, your mother is your ticket to heaven. So if you out here, you know, treating your mom bad and stuff. And once again, I don't know everybody's situation. Some people's moms are different than other people's mom. But ultimately, what I believe in is that your mother is your ticket to heaven. If you out here treating your mom bad and all this other stuff like, man, I mean, you're going to have a long, a long life ahead of you, like a long, hard life ahead of you. Like my mom was my backbone. She was there when I needed her the most, like the most. So, and she, and she, you know, raised me to be a very respectful young man to my elders uh, and, and to just the people around me. Like I've always been a very respectful kid. I've never gotten into any trouble. And um, that's just like, I tell my friends, like I've never even had ISS in high school. So it was kind of like, you know, I've, she molded me to be a a very, you know, respectful young man, a very hard driven young man. And so, um, like I say, man, I will always go 
and um, eat lunch with her and stuff. And so at that point, you know, I said, you know, I'm going to decide to go back to school. Um, and she 100% backed me up. At first, she didn't. She was kind of like, eh, like, you know, where are you going to go to school at, blah, blah, blah. And I said, you know, if I really want to do this football thing, I got to go somewhere that's going to produce. I got to go somewhere that's going to get me where back to where I need to be. Um, I, I need to be at a top-notch program. I want to be at a Division One setting. So um, I took the junior college route, which was Arizona Western. Um, they were the number one school in football. Um, they And then the main thing about them is that they produced. Um, they produced athletes. Um, they got athletes back on top to where they needed to be as far as grades, as far as even if you weren't there for grades, if you, if you were there to just get to a Division One program and get to, you know, whatever dreams you had in football, like Arizona Western, great school. Like it had an awesome campus, um, top-notch football program. So uh, there was a few schools that were out of state that I was looking at. And I said, you know, I want to go to Arizona Western. And she was like, oh, why Arizona Western? I told her. So she was 100% behind me. Um, we went through everything, got everything situated. And, um, like I said, I stopped working and, and I think January of 15, I left. So, uh, I remember like it was yesterday, I posted it on my Instagram. My mom sent me this long message, like the night before I left to go to Arizona about like, uh, and I think I still have it in my phone, actually, um, in my messages. I mean, not my messages, my screenshots. But it was kind of like, a, like, oh, you know, tomorrow morning my best friend is leaving to go pursue his dreams in football. And, you know, it was just a very touching message that I got from her. Despite me being so far, you know, she still supported me and, and whatnot. So that right there was was so much for me, man. And I, and I went on and to Arizona Western and I... Um, and I started my college journey again and, and playing football, training for football. Um, some things were happening in between that time. And um, I had to, you know, fly back home and make sure my mom was good. And my coaches and my professors understood. They knew everything that was going on. So I ended up flying back to Arizona Western um, and kind of, you know, trying to finish up the semester and stuff like that but things were starting to get a little rocky with my mom and once again being that I'm a mama's boy I you know went back home um and I and I get a lot of mixed feelings with people saying you know you should have just stayed in school your mom would have loved if you stayed in school this and that this and that yeah like I understand that but you know my thought was that I'm going to do anything to help my mom, you know. School is always going to be there. You feel me? My my mom ultimately isn't. So let me take care of my mom and do what I need to do for my mom. And I was 18, 19 years old at the time. So, you know, school was always going to be there. School is always going to be there. And that's just how I was thinking. So I went on um, and, and went back home. Once I went back home... I uh, 
I ended up getting another job, of course. And once I uh, got another job and everything, I was working at World of Coca-Cola. And I remember one night, um, I remember one night my mom called me. It was real late at night. And we talked. And uh, this is when I knew something, you know, or it was getting pretty bad. Um, she called me and she was just talking to me and she's like, hey, how you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And she was just like, I just want you to be able to like, you know, just take care of Summer and Chris and, you know, things like that. And at the time, once again, I wasn't thinking. But now that I look back, I'm like, wow, like it was like she was trying to tell me. But, you know, I just being so young and not really wanting to accept that what was really going on. That was what was happening. Um, so she was just telling me, like, you know, she really wanted me to, like, just be a, a great role model for Summer and Chris. And, and to be honest, that's that's really even before my mom got sick. Um, everybody knows that my younger brother and sister, Summer and Chris, are my world. Like, they are my world. They are they mean everything to me just because, like, I've been there right by their side since day one. And um like I and I'm and and everybody that knows as well knows that I'm I'm basically another parent to them too as well because Summer can do something wrong or say something wrong and I'm and I'm on her behind about it. Chris will do something wrong and 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 I'm on his behind about it. So it was kinda like, you know, um I was another parent, not just a big brother to them, but I was also a parent to them. So uh basically when she was telling me that, I felt that when she was saying, hey, you know, just make sure you take care of, you know, Summer and Chris and just be a role model to them. Be someone that they can look up to. And, um, you know, that's how that's how that conversation went. And over a period of time, you know, I started noticing drastic change with my mom, like losing weight, losing a lot of weight. Um, and she just, you know, she always tried to still keep herself up. And there was times where I had to uh, stop my mom from cleaning. I had to stop my mom from overworking herself because once she kind of like sat out of work for a little while, she was at home trying to do everything. And, I, and I'm and i just like, like, why? Like, just sit down. Like, you know, we have this huge house and, you know, me, Summer and Chris and my dad are here. Like, I understand my dad works, but you have three kids that are fully capable of helping you out. But she didn't want that. She didn't want the word cancer to define her. She didn't want, you know, um, she just didn't want that messing with her at all. It was kind of like she was like, like, you know what, I don't have cancer. Like, let me do this on my own. Let me, let me work this out on my own. Let me, let me clean up. Let me, and, and my mom loved to clean and cook, man. So she was still cooking every day. She was still cleaning every day, every day, whether she felt like it or not, because she didn't want that to define her. She didn't, she didn't want that to beat her. So at some point I'm just like, yo, mom, like you need to chill out. Like for real, like, you know, you need to sit down because, you know, she was going to treatment, going to chemo and stuff. And, um, it, it was just kind of like, all right, well, you know, if you want to do that, then I'm I'm going to go ahead and let you do it. 
So uh, at that point in time, I just kind of let her do her thing and I let her be in her comfort zone because cleaning and cleaning and shopping and and uh, and cooking were was her comfort zone. And when I tell you she was still going shopping like nothing was wrong with her, even when she wasn't working, she was still going out and going shopping. So, you know, I, I, I couldn't take I couldn't take that from her. That was selfish of me to try to to try to take that from her and try to to intervene with her comfort zone. And, you know, at that point in time, like I said, I started to kind of realize a, a change. You know, like I said, she was losing a lot of weight. Um, and there were times where uh, she would have, you know, accidents and stuff. And and she would never tell me. Or, and I don't know if she told my, my stepdad or not. I'm pretty sure he knew. But she would never tell me or my brother. But she would always call Summer, my sister, to come help her out because obviously Summer's a girl and she knows, you know, but my my mom would have, would have, you know, accidents. She couldn't control her, her you know, her, you know, uh, her using the bathroom and stuff. And it was one time where I really, really just kind of stood there and was like, this is really happening. Like I was one time I walked into the laundry room and saw her clothes and there was blood just blood everywhere and I kind of sat there and I was like okay like what is going on and I I didn't say anything because it it hit me like okay my mom is sick so I just kind of walked out and I sat in my room I'm just like man like this is this is so this is too much for me and so during that time period um I know my sister was kind of hit the most by it in a different way because my sister Summer wanted to always go with her friends or, you know, she was playing basketball, too. So, like, um, she always wanted to go out and do stuff. And, and that's one thing about my mom with us in sports. She was very supportive, very, very, very supportive. Um, and every game that Summer had, um, I got videos on the iPad of my mom yelling and screaming at Summer because Summer being lazy on the basketball court. I got videos of me playing football and 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 stuff and my mom yelling at me cuz she like, "Oh, you, you know, you half assing or you ain't doing this or you ain't doing that. I'm gonna take you off that field if you if you you out there half assing." I like, I didn't come out here to watch this. And that's just how she was, man. She, like sports was her thing. She loved the Atlanta Falcons and she loved Tim Duncan. She loved Tim Duncan and that's just what that's that's my mom loved basketball, football. She loved she loved all of that. And so um and I and I've been playing sports like since I was able to walk. I you know I started off playing baseball, basketball, then I went to football. So it was it was like she was my mom was whoo she was so hard on us when it came to sports. It was like she was the dad. You feel me? So, you know, um, I mean, she was cussing me out if I ain't play my best. Or and I, and I remember one time I told her um, we played Eagles Land, and I think I scored like two touchdowns. This is my like my ninth grade or tenth grade year. I was playing JV and varsity, but I had a JV game, and she was like. 
I was like, Mom, you know, I scored two touchdowns tonight at Eagles Landing. And she was like, so? Like, that's what you're supposed to do. And I'm like, well, damn, like, you can't be happy for me. You know, you feel me? So, I, I, I mean, I knew she was happy for me, but she just wanted more out of me. She wanted me to, she wanted me to strive and be, you know, the best I could be at whatever I was doing. Um, so with that being said, like summer was always wanting to go out and, and do stuff with her friends and playing basketball and stuff. But, um, my mom was a little bit more, you know, restricting on summer because she was a a girl and she could help my mom out when things got hard for her. Summer didn't understand that at the time. Summer might've been 12, 13 years old or probably like 11 or 12, somewhere around there, 11 to 13 years old, you know, 12, 12 years old, I'd say, helping my mom, you know, with, um, you know, whatever she need help with. And, um, Summer just didn't understand. She would get mad. She's like, you never let me do anything. And, and, and I know like my mom would sometimes go in her room and she would cry, like, because she knew she wanted to let Summer do some of the things she wanted to do. And and one time what hit me the most, man, and it made it makes me cry every time um I talk about it. But there was one time um I remember Summer was asking my mom, you know, Summer had a big game and and my mom was sitting on the couch. And Summer said, you know, Mom, I really want you to come to my game. And my mom, she told Summer, she was like, I can't, you know, I, I just don't feel good. I can't go. And um, Summer, like, was begging my mom to go to the game. And so Summer walks out the door. And um, I was going to go to the game if my mom went, but um, she didn't go. And she wanted, my mom wanted to go so bad because seeing her kids play sports meant everything to her. And seeing her kids, you know, progress as young athletes and, and young individuals, period, just was everything to her. So my sister walked out and... um. And when she walked out, um, my mom busted out crying. And so I, I was kind of halfway up the stairs and I came back and I said, Mom, I was like, why, why are you crying? And she was like, um, she was like, I'm, I'm just tired. You know, I'm, I'm tired and I, I I wanted to go to the game so bad, but I'm just so sick and I can't I can't do anything. I can't nothing. And I think that was the first time I really just knew that um things weren't good with my mom. Like her body was just shutting down. She was so sick and she was she was fighting so strong. Like it was just so much that was that she was going through and I never realized how much she was going through um until that point and so I kind of sat down and talked to her and I and I tried so hard not to cry but I did and I hugged her and I kissed her and um you know after that I just kind of let her be 
and everything. And, um, you know, this was kind of around the summertime. So, or close to the summertime. So, um, then, um, her birthday comes up, um, June 26, 2015. Uh, man, watching that video of my mom on her birthday, uh, I remember uh my aunt uh my aunt Linda, everybody call her Poon. Everybody, you know, know that that was my mom's everything. I remember I think they went on a trip or something, and um my aunt told her that she wasn't gonna be back. My mom cried. She cried so much because she wanted her sister to be there on her birthday. And then my aunt showed up to the house and my mom was so happy. She cried and cried and cried. She was so happy that her sister showed up. And I think that, you know, she wanted to be there. She wanted her sister to be there because she knew that that was her last birthday. She knew that that was going to be the last time that she got to spend with her family. So... Um, we recorded a video and we sung happy birthday to her. And in that video, for my family that knows the video I'm talking about, my mom was so skinny, you know, and you could tell she was sick. She was so sick. And, um, just being around her every day, it was, it was like, it was like, I, I knew and I could tell, but I just, I didn't want to believe what was going on. And so this was June 26th and, um, maybe a couple days later, I, I went upstairs and, um, my mom went to treatment, I think, like every Monday or something like that, or every Tuesday. It was some day out of the week. I knew her schedule. So I went into the room and um, I said, Ma, I was like, uh, why are you not? Why you didn't go to treatment today? And she was just like, she was like, baby, it's nothing else that they could do for me. And when she said that to me. I was just like, what do you mean there's nothing else they could do for you? And once again, me being young and naive and not knowing what she was really trying to say, you know, I just was like, whatever, like, you know, my mom always tried to give me signs like, yo, you need to step up because I'm not going to always be here. But she never wanted to tell me because she knew that I that she meant the world to me. Like if something happened to my mom, like I know what I would do. Um, so she never directly told me like, Hey, like I'm going to die. So, um, when she said that to me, I went in my room and I just was like, what, like, what the hell, like what what's going on? So literally like the day after that, she went into the hospital or like two days after that, she went to the hospital and she never got out. Like, 
she got transferred to a hospital in Atlanta. And I remember going up there and seeing her. And man, my mom, like anybody knew my mom, she always talked. My mom didn't talk for like two weeks, man. I didn't hear my mom's voice for like two weeks. And so uh, we were in the hospital and um, the guy came in there and my mom, like when I first went in there, my mom was just laying there and I, I don't even think she really opened her eyes, but she knew I was there. I touched her, kissed her, sat next to her. And for the most of the time, I couldn't really sit in there because it was so hard, like to see her like that. And I sat outside. Um, I sat outside the door. And then I went back in and a doctor came in there. And um, uh, once again, my mom's listening to everything that's going on. So at that time, the doctor says, uh, you know, we need everybody to get out the room. And I'm just like, I mean, I'm not getting out. You feel me? Like, you know, he was like, well, you know, these are her two kids. And I was just like, man, you know, I'm her oldest son. Like, I'm her biological child. Like, this is my mother. So anything you got to say to her husband, to her kids, you know, anything like you can say in front of me because this is my mom. Like, I'm not I'm not trying to hear that. And I don't really think that God knew. So, you know, he let me stay in there. And I think Summer and Chris got out. So it was me, my mom, and my stepdad. And um, the guy says, you know, we've done all we could do. Um, No transplants or anything will work. You know, the only thing we can do now is make your mom feel comfortable. And so... I literally, I just was shaking. Like, I, I didn't know what to think. And once again, my mom was sitting there listening to everything. And, you know, even with her eyes closed, she looked over at me, closed her eyes back. And, you know, she just went back to sleep. So um, they put her in a hospice place. I went to go see her every day in hospice. Um, and at that point, Honestly, at the time, I didn't know. I didn't know what hospice meant. Like, I didn't know what that was. I thought it was just like a nursing home type deal. Like, I didn't know anything about hospice. Um, but um, pretty much, uh, you know, they put her in there. And like the first couple of days, like she was in there, I like I was... She was better than she was when she was in the hospital. So I'm thinking like, okay, like, you know, she's going to get better or something. I didn't know anything about none of this stuff. So I'm like, okay, like, whatever. You know, she wasn't really talking, but, you know, she was interacting with people and, uh, you know, using her hands and stuff. And, you know, everybody was just in there kind of like, you know, laughing and stuff. So uh, I... You know, always kind of like to, I like to be in there with my family, but I also like to be in there alone by myself with my mom because I like I just wanted to be with her, you know, and let her know that I loved her and stuff like that all the time. Because a lot of the times I would just kind of leave and then you know come back on my own. But um, 
I talked to her, um, and most of the time she didn't really, she would just nod or, you know, look. I went in there one night, and um, that one night I went in there, uh, and if anybody um, knows the picture on my header on my Facebook, that's the picture that uh, me and my mom took. I said, hey, I'm going to take a picture, mom. She, okay. She didn't say okay, but she, you know, just looked and nodded her head. So I said, I'm going to take a picture. I was like, I want you to hold my hand. She held my hand, and then um, I walked over on the left side of the bed, and um, I said, Ma, she looked, and I said, I love you, and she looked at me, and she said, I love you, too. Like, she said it out of her mouth. That right there put me at ease. That right there, like... Man, that was that meant everything to me because I hadn't heard my mom talk in in damn near two weeks. So just hearing that from her just made me so like, wow, like, you know, I love my mom. Um, And then um, I know one time my brother was in there crying and she looked up at my brother and was like, you better stop that crying. You got to be strong, Chris. You better stop that crying. I'm just like, wow, like she getting, you know, a little bit of, you know, she probably didn't have all the strength to talk, but she was, it was taking everything out of her to, to say that to Chris. And I don't know if some of my family members remember that or not, but I do. Um, so the next day, um, you know, I get a call from my, my cousin, Nikki. And she says, um, you know, she's crying and I already knew what it was. She says, you got to get down here now. And um, I knew what time it was. I just kept saying, what what happened? What happened? What happened, Nikki? What happened, Nikki? She wouldn't tell me. She's like, just get down here. Just get down here. And I didn't want to believe it. But the whole time I was driving, I was just like, God, don't take her from me. Please don't. Because I don't know what I would do. I really don't know what I'm going to do if you take my mom from me. Like, I I just, I, 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 I don't know. I get there. The first person I see is my Uncle Doom. I see him, my Auntie Chris. And my Uncle Dunk's spirits are are very much different than most people in a positive way. Um, and the reason I say that is because um, as soon as I get to the hospice place, my Uncle Dunk is there. And uh, the first thing he says to me is he looks at me and smiles and says, man, he said, God called her on home. And right there, I lost it. But my uncle Doom had made me feel at that just at that one little minute moment, like it made me feel good just be, just to know that my mom wasn't suffering anymore. And that's what my uncle Doom was trying to explain to me, like you know she's in a better place right now. But you know, me as a young kid, I didn't want to hear that. But just thinking back and looking at that, it was kind of like, man, that was. That right there, you telling me that? Because that was the first person I seen when I got there. 
You know, I very first person I seen was him. So I lost it. But then, you know, I walked in. The second person I see is my stepdad. And um, everybody's in there kind of crying. And it was like when I walked in, it was like the whole room just stopped. Like and, and mind you, I'm not in the hospice room yet, but I'm I'm in the hospice facility. Like I haven't gotten to my mom's room yet. Her room was around the corner past the 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 fish tank. And it was like a third room or something on the left. I hadn't gotten to her room yet. First person I see is him and my stepdad. I hug him like I, I've never hugged him like that before in my life. But I cried and I hugged him because I just I didn't want I just knew. And I didn't know what I was going to walk into the hospice room and see. So the thing that killed me the most out of this situation was. As soon as I start walking down the hallway, I hear my younger sister crying and she's she's on my mom and she's telling her to wake up. She's like, wake up, mommy, wake up. Like crying, like, wake up, mommy, wake up. And that right there killed me. It killed me, man. Um, and like I said, my sister was probably about 12 at the time. So just trying to be strong for them. Like, I think that killed me more than anything because I had so much bottled up in me. And um, that right there with her, she's like, mom, like, wake up, wake up. And just seeing that was so unreal. Like, and then my mom laying there and um, I just went in there and I just wanted to be by myself with her. And I, and I kissed her. I kissed her on the head so many times. And just I'm just telling her I love her. I love her. Like, I hope you hear me. Just, just I love you. <clears throat> and I left. Um, and that right there, man, that was, I didn't know what I was going to do, man. I really didn't, I didn't know what I was going to do. I, I, man, I was lost. And, um, and I know this is a very long podcast I see, but you know, just bear with me because this is definitely something I need to get out. But man, I didn't. I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know where I was going to end up. I didn't know where I was going to be. I didn't know if I was going to spaz out. I didn't know nothing. I was so lost and and I was so I was in a dark place and and it got to a point to where I was you know in you know Situations with people and relationships with people that I was neglecting them. I was turning into a person I wasn't like and not just some mean, bad, coward person. I was just so messed up to the point where I was shutting people out. I was I was doing stuff that I I shouldn't have been doing. and, And I'm not talking about nothing illegally, but just hurting people's feelings and hurting people around me. Um. And I, 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 man, that time right there was a bad time for me. And I never want to just fault my mom's death for that. But it was so hard, man. It was so hard. And I, man, for the longest, I was messed up. Um, I went to my mom's funeral and, 
um, at the viewing of, of of the body, um, I got a lot of attention, of course, of people that I didn't even know and people that I didn't even know knew me, but were coming up to me. Oh, I'm so sorry for your loss. I'm so sorry for this and so sorry for that. And it's just kind of like, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not a rude person. So at the time I didn't say, you know, just, just give me, you know, time on myself. I'm, you know, I'm just like, thank you. Thank you. Whatever. But me sitting there viewing my mom's body, I sat there by myself. I sat on the right side away from everybody. Everybody else was on the left side, you know, a small little place by Shiloh. And I sat on the right side by myself. It was me and my auntie Chris. And um, I sat there and I just was thinking of everything that that my mom went through. And it was so hard, man, it was so hard. Um, And so we're going to fast forward to the funeral, the funeral. Um, man, I, that right there was the hardest thing ever. Uh, you know, at the funeral, I, uh, my dad was there, of course. Uh, my biological dad was there. My grandmother came. Um, a lot of people that loved and supported me, people that even just knew me that didn't even know my mom was there for me. I had one of my, my closest friends, uh, that's kind of like a brother dad figure to me. T.O. was there. My my entire arena football team was there damn near. Um, so just that support from those guys, man, was remarkable, man. It was, I mean, that gave me chills just knowing that those people really cared about me, man. So um, at the funeral, I was good. You know, I wore some purple rain looking glasses and everybody that know me know I know Prince. So I got some glasses, some little circle sunshades and I wore them things the entire time. Um, But I wore them because I didn't want anybody to see me, you know, crying and stuff. But I, I didn't cry up until the part where they started showing pictures of my mom on the big screen at Shiloh. Those pictures made me boo-hoo like because it's like man like like I I grew up like and this was my best friend this is my mom like just seeing pictures of me when I was a baby all the way up until I was 18 19 years old you know um and man that tore me up like it was it was just something it just tore me up so you know I they go through with the funeral or whatnot, and a couple of my aunts got up there and spoke, and it man, it tore me up. Um, but after the funeral, um, like I said, I didn't know what I was gonna do. I ended up moving in with my aunt and my uncle for a couple months until I was able to get my own house and my. Uh, I had wrecked my previous car, so all I had, you know, I had went and bought me a motorcycle, um, and then I went and bought me a car. You know, and I I I bought me a, a Mustang. It was an 04 Mustang GT. Um and I I didn't and people ask me, you know, or people talk about it with me, like, oh, like you didn't receive any money from 
Like, no, I didn't receive any money from my mom passing away and I didn't care. You know, I, I talked to my aunt, my uncle about it, but I, I didn't care about that. Like the money that I had to buy the motorcycle and, and the car and all that stuff never came from my mother. You know, that was, you know, that was own personal, you know, things that came from help from other people and or whatnot. But you know, I never had any money from my mom passing. I didn't care about that. No amount of money could make me feel good to bring my mom like that. No, all I wanted was my mother, bro. I didn't care about a dime. So it was more of, you know, I was just trying to get on my feet. I ended up going in. I got a house in Atlanta and lived there for a little while. And eventually moved in with my dad because he knew I was hurt months after he knew I was so hurt. He wanted me to just be with him. So I moved to Ohio with my biological dad for some time. And um, man, when I tell you like just being in a situation like that and having people um, to support you, having people to support you is 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 everything because there's some people around here that lose people and um they lose people, they lose themselves, and sometimes they commit suicide, they they do all kind of stuff like that. And I was at a point, and I'm not even going to lie to y'all, I was at a very low point to where I was like, I don't even want to play football no more. I don't want to play nothing. I don't want to live. I don't want to be here. I just want my mom. Because there was times where I didn't know where I was going to get rent from. There was times where I didn't know where I was going to get my car note from when I didn't have all of it. But I had people who loved me and I had people who cared about me, who helped me. I had people who, you know, cared about, you know, my well-being. And and then there was times where like I and, and me personally, I never asked my biological dad for nothing, man. Like I never asked him for anything because. He's so like chill and nonchalant to the point where he's just like, you know, hey, like you'll figure it out. You know, you you can do it on your own. Like you you going to be good. But it came to a time where my dad was like, hey, like, listen, I'll pay this for you. I'll pay that. Like, don't worry about it. I got you. I'm going to help you. So that right there meant so much to me, man. And and um, uh, the thing that that really kind of brought back the thing of my mom passing was when I had my son. I remember I called my grandma, um, Brenda, and I talked to her for a little bit. And um, when I told her about it, I boohoo cried, man, because I'm like, man, I just wish my mom was here to physically hold him, to just be able to like, I wanted my son to know who my mom was, man. Like my mom was a remarkable woman. Like everybody loved her from Luella to Hampton to Luella high school, to Luella middle school, to Hampton high school, to Hampton middle school. Like everybody loved my mom, bro. Like nobody that graduated with me can't say, man, we, your mom was always tripping, bro. Like my mom, like we would have get togethers at my house. All my best friends would come over, man. Like we would make jokes about my mom and how she would talk and cuss people out and not cuss people out, but, you know, cuss about stuff and, and you know, cuss about things and stuff. And we, me and my friends would constantly make jokes about that because it was so funny. Like my mom was a hilarious person. And so like, 
just like I just wanted my son to experience that, man. And it it was so hard, like just it was so hard to even like, you know, I don't know, but it was just hard. But uh, pretty much like my son was born and, and man, nobody knows this, but I went in the bathroom when my son was born. And I cried so much, man, because I just wish my mom was there to see, you know, um, see everything and, and just be able to grow with him and give give him that same intelligence and respect thing that she gave me. And so, I mean, just to kind of wrap the the podcast up, you know, I just want people to know, like, whatever you're going through, you are not alone as far as like losing somebody. If you ever get to a point where you feel like you're down, if you ever get to a point where you feel like you can't deal with things anymore, there's always somebody in your corner all the time, whether you want to believe it or not. There's always people in your corner. Go talk to somebody about it. My thing was, is I never talked to anybody about it. Losing my mom, I never talked to nobody about it. This is my first time speaking about it because I felt like I, I'm, I feel like I'm ready to now. And I just don't want anybody else to ever feel like they have to shut themselves down because they lost. And I, and I know it hurts, man. I know it hurts. I know it hurts. But I've been so I've been through so much as a young man. And I'm not going to say I've been through more than anybody, but I've been through more than the average 19 year old. I've been through more than the average 24 year old. And I, I would like to call myself mature, but there's always room for growth. There's always room for for growing as a person and growing as a human being. And I feel like me as a person, like people still to this day don't even know. Like when they meet me, they don't never know that my mom passed away until I tell them. Like I had my roommate, my roommate Montero, you know, made a joke about something. And I told him, I was like, yeah, you know, my mom passed away. And he was like, what? Like, stop playing. I was like, nah, seriously. Like, you know, and he was just like, man, you just don't carry that on your shoulder. You don't hold that on your back. And I'm just like, man, you know, I I pretty much, you know, just kind of keep it within me. But the people close to me know. And and like I say, man, it, you always have somebody in your corner. And I definitely just wanted to get this to get this story out. And, um, you know, if you guys listen to this, I hope you decide to stay tuned for 60 minutes. But um, it was definitely something that, you know, I wanted to get out and um, let everybody know. And once you guys hear this, um, you can post on my Facebook or my Twitter Ask any questions you have. I, I actually want you guys to ask questions because I'm very willing to answer them. Um, and like I said, I'm I'm all ears for any feedback that I can get from this podcast. Uh, I, I, the story is so much more longer. That's why I say ask questions. Um, there's a lot of stuff that I kind of like left out um, just because of the timing issue. But, um, you know, most of it is there. And I, I just really wish that you guys will leave a lot of feedback and just please ask questions, man, because I can't stress enough that I would love to help anybody who's going through anything. It don't even have to be your parent passing away or anything, but I really just want people to ask questions because I'm willing to answer them. Even if you have a dog that passed away, I don't care. Like talk to me and, and just, and just understand that I understand what you're going through. And, um, you know, I really appreciate everybody for listening. 
Um, like I said, if you skipped around a little bit, that's perfectly fine. Um, I don't I don't mind that. But I definitely do appreciate everybody for tuning in and giving me the courage to to even get this out. Um, but I really appreciate it. And everybody have a great and blessed day.